It's a new year. Brother Darrell said last week he's glad 217's over. 2017's over. And uh, we come to these new years and you say, well, nothing changed. But really, you know, we, we're, we're glad that there's a new year and we get a new start. We, we leave some things behind and, and we move forward. We, we refocus and we set goals and we, some make resolutions and say, I'm going to do this different. I'm going to do that different. But you know who started all this? You know who started all this season thing? God. Today our lesson is a season of new beginnings. The idea of our lesson today is we can successfully navigate a season of change with God as our guide. Not only as our guide, but the power, the power to accomplish our goals and our visions. If we walk in the context of his will, we have the power of God to accomplish that. Now, if you're, you're, you've got an ambition that's outside the will of God, you're on your own. But if you're in the context of his will, then you can rely on his power to help you accomplish that vision and that goal. Genesis chapter 8 and verse 22 is our focus verse for the day. It said, while the earth remaineth, seed time and harvest, and cold and heat, and summer and winter, and day and night shall not cease. I know there's a lot of talk about global warming and all this stuff, and uh, it's a big agenda. Uh, the, the liberals are just all hung up on that stuff. But you know what? They can talk about it all they want, but I go to this scripture right here. There's, a, there's always going to be a cold and a hot. There's going to be seasons and st- as long as God says so. And yeah, it's going to get warm one day. Because I read the back of the book and it said there is going to be global warming. Matter of fact, it said the elements are going to melt with fervent heat. It's going to be over. It's going to happen. But I'm so glad we've got today. I'm so glad that God has given his his word. He has given us something to go with in this very moment in our life, something that has lasted from the beginning of time till now, and that is his word. And so as we go into his word today, we look at Noah. Noah was, I guess you say in, in this lesson, we start with his new year. He had found grace in the eyes of the Lord when God looked at the earth and he saw that everything and every man was doing that which was right in his own eyes. Every imagination of man was evil. And God said, I'm going to destroy the whole earth. And then Noah 
lights up. I just imagine God looking at the vastness of the earth and, and all of a sudden out of that, he sees Noah. Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So God said to Noah, said, I want you to build an ark. I want you to save your family. I want you to save everybody that will get in the ark, and I want you to save the animals that I'm going to send to the ark. And so Noah obeyed. We can talk about the, the faith of Noah, but the faith of Noah is manifest in his obedience. When God spoke, he acted. How many of you acted the first time God spoke to you? Or did he have to tell you twice? Or did you ask him the third time? Was that what you really meant? We have no record that God ever spoke to Noah but once. And he said, build an ark. And then he didn't hear anything more for a hundred years until God said, it's time to get in the ark. That's obedience. And so we, we, we look at the life of Noah and we look at his life. But here, now we find him today in this lesson. He is finally beginning to see the light of day after a flood has come on the earth. God has judged the wickedness of man. And the waters are receding off of the face of the earth. And God opens the door. And Noah steps out to a new world. One that has been purged of all evil. All the bad stuff is gone. And here is Noah and his family. A new beginning. A brand new day. And in, in that moment, filled with the awe and the beauty and the blessings of God, the scripture lets us know, uh, know about Noah that he, he had some thinking to do. And he said, you know what? I'm going to build an altar right here, right now. And I'm going to give God praise and I'm going to give God thanks. Out of that altar building and the fragrance of that altar, the Lord began to speak. And he said, the Lord smelled the sweet savor, and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite anymore every living thing as I have done. God noticed one man's prayer. And the effect of that man's prayer on God caused him to react in the way that he did. We must never underestimate that little talk with Jesus. That thing we call prayer. That wonderful thing that we have an opportunity to interact and have relationship with God. Never underestimate it. Think about the impact of Abraham's prayer when God stopped by on his way to Sodom and Abraham stayed yet before God. 
And he began to intercede with God for Sodom. And he said, if you can find 50, will you destroy that 50 righteous with all the rest? And God said, I I won't do it. And so Abraham said, well, what about 45? If you can find 45. And and he began to, to, to work his way down. And finally, Abraham stops at 10. And God says, if I can find 10 righteous people in Sodom and Gomorrah, I won't destroy that city. That's the impact of one man's prayer. You say, you, you feel impressed to pray for a city, or you feel impressed to pray for a country. Don't ever let the devil tell you your, your prayer has no power. You feel the spirit of intercession come upon you. Don't run away from that, but allow your spirit to be caught up in that moment and intercede and allow God to use you. It may change the course of an entire nation. Samuel was known as a man of prayer. Samuel prayed during his time as a prophet priest in Israel, and not one time during his reign as prophet priest Did the enemy invade the land? That's the power of one man's prayer. Elijah prayed, and he shut up the heavens. Three years it didn't rain until Elijah prayed again. Daniel prayed. One man prayed, God, forgive us as a people. He wasn't just praying for himself, but he was praying for the entire nation that God would forgive a nation. I'm telling you, the impact of your prayer may be greater than you presently realize. Noah, he's not just some figure of history. What he accomplished is just not something for the history books, but that faith that Noah exhibited in his obedience is something that you and I look upon and you and I can embrace in our new beginnings and as we move forward in grace and faith in Jesus Christ. We are privileged to be joint heirs with the righteous today. We are privileged to walk in relationship with the same God that they walked with in the same context of relationship that they walked with God and even greater from Noah until now every generation has traveled through changing seasons good times bad times difficult situations How many times have we seen those times as we read through the Scripture where there was a season of change? It brought about a a transition from, from one spiritual state to another spiritual state where they were down and, and it was a difficult season in their life and they were living in sin and, and the season caused them to change. And when they repented, a new day came in their life. 
we know that God can change and bring about a new season in a moment. Several times we read in the scripture, and suddenly, and suddenly, a suddenly can come in your life just as the definition of that word is. You may feel like it's the end of the rope. You may feel like you're at the end of your situation. You may feel like there's no way out of your situation. But if one cry to God can make a difference and a suddenly comes in your life, notice what the Scripture said, in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trump, For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. There can come a suddenly in your life this morning. Everything changes for the better. When we humble ourselves before God, I'm so very thankful for that new beginning I had in my life called the new birth. Oh, I grew up in church. I, my mom and dad were in church. They lived for God. They had prayer lives. They had relationship. I, I came along, and I was here, and I, I saw all of that happening. But one day, 11-year-old boy was born again. I experienced my personal repentance. I experienced my personal Pentecost in my life. I experienced my personal burial. You said you were buried and you're in a pulpit? Yeah. The old man was buried. A new man stands here today because of a new beginning in my life called the new birth. Thank God for the new birth. Today we stand here. The the past is covered by the blood of Jesus. Our future is secure in the life of Jesus His life is is being formed in us and through us throughout each season of life. The Apostle Paul said it this way in writing to the Galatians, I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. No doubt we've all experienced the wonders of the newborn baby. That first cry, that, that sound that notified us, and we, we rejoiced in that first cry. The second, third, and fourth weren't so great, but that first cry. You know, the, the hundred after that wasn't so great, but we watched the progress We watch them as they journey in life. We see them and we all say, oh, I wish they wouldn't have to grow up. But then if they didn't grow up, how sad would that be? If they stayed a baby, how sad that would be. Sailor came home yesterday. She had got money for Christmas She had been learning to shop. They they do that now. 
They teach them to shop, called Shopkins. It, it's toys, it's videos that they learn to shop. So she got money, and she, her daddy took her shopping yesterday to get her new baby. And uh, it wets, it has diapers, it cries. It's kind of got a lot of stages because it talks and, 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 you know, well, anyway, it's, but the new, but I'm thinking you were that baby, but now you're five, you know, and you, you have to have a baby to play with because you're so old. We watch those signs of progress and development. We're thankful for it. But sometimes we struggle as they grow with their growing pains. We watch them in their development. And we hurt with them. And we wish we could make that day pass in their life with them not having to go through that. But we realize also it's a season. It's a season that they have to go through. And we're the ones that tell them there'll be a new day. There'll be a new day because we've been there. And we've had those seasons in our life and we struggle through them. What are some of those practical ways that you transition from a healthy new birth experience to a vibrant new life journey. We transition in our spiritual man. The apostle wrote in Hebrews chapter 6, Therefore, leaving the principles of the doctrine of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, not laying again the foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith toward God, and of the doctrine of baptisms and laying on of hands, and of resurrection of the dead or of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permit. The apostle went on to say, as he wrote to the Corinthians in 13 and 11 of 1 Corinthians, and he said, When I was a child, I spake as a child. I understood as a child. I thought as a child. But when I became a man, I put away childish things. We grow in our spiritual development. Each new season allows us to experience the learning that will lead us to spiritual maturity. The apostle could have considered and said, when I was a child, I played in the dirt. I had sandboxes. I had mud pies. I was in mud puddles and all those sort of things. It's all part of being a child. I remember when mom said, Terry, you have grass stains all over your school pants. Anybody that's a boy ever been there? You just slid on your knees through the grass, and that was your good school clothes. And, and in those days, there, there wasn't a whole lot of options. 
or being scolded because you soiled your church clothes. But then ultimately, moms understand, boys will be boys, and sometimes kids do play in dirt. But if we mature, and as we mature properly, the seasons of life changes. Not long from that child in the dirt and child in the grass stains on their clothes, they'll be late for lunch because now they have other responsibilities. There are school projects to do and there's jobs that cause them to work overtime. The changing seasons of life, that maturing into a manhood and a adulthood as in the natural. But how awkwardly would it be if a middle-aged dad were to arrive late for Sunday service because he was playing in the dirt? How, how sad would it be if, if we told pastor, I, I was playing with my dolls and got caught up with time and I'm, I'm late for church. I'm sorry. New believers and not so new believers can miss the mark when we come to church and we play with mud. You know how we do that? We sling mud. We sling mud at our spiritual brothers and sisters. It can be done because of the changing seasons. Gossip is dirty. Bragging is dirty. Sowing discord is dirty. Cursing is dirty. Murmuring and complaining is dirty. If you want to know how, how bad God felt about murmuring and complaining, just go back and read about the children of Israel. That was one of the greatest complaints he had with them was because they were murmuring and complaining about the season they were in. If they could have only realized it was a season. If we could only realize it's a season. What a blessed new beginning. When we live life, we live as though life and death can be transmitted in the words that we say. Disciple-making would be horribly hindered if newborn spiritual babies were chastised every time they missed the mark. But as we understand the changing seasons we transition into mature believers. And as maturing believers, we began to model the character of Christ for those who in turn would seek to imitate us. As a pastor, I've, I've often been approached by people that, that gave their opinion, and it was so wrong. But I didn't say anything. Because I realized there would be no value 
There would be no encouragement. There wouldn't be no help. Because at that point in their life, it was a good time to remain silent. Because as they grow, they would realize their mistake. Ephesians 4 and 29 through 32 said, Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers, and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby we are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you. With all malice, be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. As parents, we remember a time when our children entertain imaginary friends. They were there for them. They were real. They played with them. They talked to them. They even had special places for them. The Apostle Paul omitted that from his original listings, but the spiritual parallel is not too difficult to discover. Jesus said, you are my friends if you do whatsoever I command you. Imaginary friends might provide some temporary enjoyment to a typical toddler, but to the mature through the season of life, we will have to develop a genuine friendship with something more than the imaginary. I love the song, What a Friend We Have in Jesus. All our sins and griefs to bear. We buried Ronnie Coley this week. We did it the way Ronnie wanted to do it. He didn't want to be embalmed. He didn't want to have a viewing. And he wanted to make his last ride in his old truck. And so it was. He went straight from the funeral home to the back of his truck to the cemetery. And there we had a service. And I noticed around Linda was friends. People that, through Ronnie's sickness, they had become there because of Linda and being able to minister to her through the last few months. They had been there, neighbors, relatives, had come to help her through that time. But oh, what a friend we have in Jesus. I'm glad Linda knew him, and I'm glad she has him today. Somewhere through the changing seasons, we must all grow up. We must grow up and experience maturity and love 
or Lord Jesus Christ. Characterized by the faithfulness to his word and submission to his will. In his essay titled, Return to Tippus, French philosopher Albert Camus stated, In the depth of winter, I finally learned that within me there lay an invincible summer. Seasons are transitions that lead to transformation. I'm so thankful for seasons. I lived in Minnesota. We had four of them. I live in Louisiana now. We have two. Summer and winter. They may both come in the same day. That's why I love Louisiana. When I lived in Minnesota, I put on a coat in August. I added more later. I never got up in the morning and opened the door to see what the weather was. I just got dressed for what it was going to be. And then in May, I still was wearing the coat that I put on in August. I love Louisiana. That way I can put on my coat and an hour later take it off. Or if it was like this past week, which we thought was going to last forever until yesterday, we, we just thought it was the dead of winter. But it's a blessed relief that as seasons have changed our circumstances, they also develop our character. What would we be if we never went through a different kind of season? We, we all dream that a good freeze will kill all the mosquitoes. We, we, we hope that it will kill the roaches and all the bad bugs, but believe it or not, I got in the shower yesterday and there went a mosquito. He had survived. He probably hid in my house while it was cold. No, I don't think they freeze because we had them in Minnesota. But in our life, in the seasons we go through in life, there are some things that do die. In the development of our character, there are some things that we go through that we realize, I don't need that anymore. And I'm going to put that out of my life. The leaves fall from the trees, letting us know that the season is about to change. Jim Ron, motivational speaker, said, you must take personal responsibility. You cannot change the circumstances, the seasons, or the wind, but you can change yourself. The seasons come and go in our lives, and we must determine that the changing seasons will produce maturity that we need to thrive in this life. There's two characters in the Old Testament that we know well. That's Esau and Jacob. Esau was the firstborn. According to the plan of God in that day, the firstborn received the birthright. He became the spiritual priest of the household. He was to be blessed twice as much 
as the rest of the family. He was the strength of his dad. And so he was to carry the weight of the responsibility for the family from that day forward. Esau despised that position. Esau had other things in mind that were more important for him. Matter of fact, his, his own belly became his God. He came in hungry one day, and, and Jacob was there cooking a pot of beans. And Esau said, give me some of those beans. I'm, I'm about to die with hunger. And Jacob said, well, what's it worth to you? Esau said, well, you know, what, what I have to say, what? He said, your birthright. He said, you give me your birthright, and I'll give you a meal of beans. Esau said, sounds like a good deal to me. You imagine that? He was going to get twice the inheritance. He was going to be the spiritual leader for the family. And he sold it for a pot of beans. Jacob wanted that position. He wanted that place. He wanted everything that came with the birthright. And no wonder the scripture says, Jacob have I loved, but Esau have I hated. The carnality of Esau is manifest. He was hungry for things of his flesh more than the things of God. Jacob cultivated a passion for the things of God rather than, oh, I know Jacob was the deceiver. I know he was the supplanter. I know he was all of that. But there was something there that God recognized. He allowed God. God could have wrote the script totally different. He could have left out all the bad of Jacob. And he could have just told us that Jacob wanted the things that were pertaining to me. But he let us realize that there are seasons in a life. And as you watch the seasons of Jacob's life, things began to fall off. The bad things began to fall off. By the time he got to Peniel, where Jacob is about to go back and be reconciled to his brother Esau, it's, it's kind of, Jacob's life is kind of di- divided up into 20-year segments. He's, he's 20 years at home, and then 20 years, he, he's a fugitive. He's, he's running from his brother to save his life. He's at Laban's house. It, during that period of time, he gets married twice. He has a big family. And then God speaks to him and says, it's time to go home. He's on his way home. And he realizes home is where Esau is. And Esau is going to kill him. That's the last thing he remembers about Esau. When I see you, I'm going to kill you. You deceived me. You took everything from me. I'm going to kill you. But Jacob is going back to face it. You know, there's sometimes it's important to face some things, to deal with some situations, to reconcile some things. How are you going to do it, Jacob? Well, he had a plan. He, he began to lay out his plan. He had it all strategized. Uh, I'm going to meet him, and I'm going, to, I'm going to send gifts ahead, and I'm going to appease him with my gifts, and, 
and then I'm going to send this part of the family, and then I'm going to send some more gifts, and I'm going to send this part of the family, and, and finally I'm going to arrive. But he had a prayer meeting. And in a prayer meeting, it changed everything. I don't know if Jacob intended to fight with Esau before that prayer meeting. But after the prayer meeting, I don't think he could have fought with him. Because it changed his walk. The angel of the Lord touched him in his thigh and it shrunk up and he walked with a limp after that. He would never forget that encounter. But something else happened as he wrestled in prayer. And the angel of the Lord said, let me go. And he said, I'm not going to let you go until you bless me. And that prayer meeting day, he asked him, said, what is your name? And he said, my name is Jacob. He had to admit that he was a supplanter. He was a deceiver. Confession is good for the soul. It was a repentance. It was saying, this is what I am. This is what I've been all my life. And the angel of the Lord said, you will no more be called Jacob. But now your name is Israel. For you have wrestled with God and you have prevailed. And so from henceforth, you're going to have blessings in your life. And so, Jacob leaves that prayer meeting, and he goes to meet Esau. Everything's changed. All of his strategizing wasn't important. Esau said, what is all this? What, what do you mean by all of these animals you sent to me? What do you mean by all these gifts? He said, I have enough of all of that. So Jacob said, this is what I thought I'd do. Instead of getting killed, he got embraced. Esau wanted to provide for him. Esau wanted to take care of him. But Jacob said, I have enough. I have enough. I think he had enough when he saw that things were reconciled with his brother. Jacob humbled himself. It's part of the transitions, and the transformations of life. The season you're in, the season you come through, it will either make us or it will break us. It will certainly reveal us. Jacob made his way back to Bethel where he had first met God when he was running from his brother. It was there God said, put away all the false gods from you. Clean yourself and come and meet me. The change, the transformation. Humility is the premium posture, posture for spiritual progress. Jacob, going through a season of life. God's timing is always perfect. 
We want our season to be over. In our calendar year, we have four seasons, three months each or less. I know that sometimes when they say it's December the 21st and it's the beginning of winter, we have either already have it or it's never started, naturally. But in our life, we don't know how long our season will last. But we do know that God is working something in our life to mature us. Our transitions in life are not random or coincidental. Our seasons change with divine oversight. God develops us and deals with us with highly honed mastery. His ways are perfect. We don't always know or understand the purpose or the plan of God that He has for each new season. But we must be determined to grow in His grace, trust in His will, as he orchestrates our transitions. Jacob said, This place is penile, for I have seen the face of God, and my life is preserved. Have you had a God encounter in your life? Have you been there and wrestled the old man away? until a new man came into power. Have you been there? Maybe that situation you're facing, that you know I've got to get there and I've got to deal with it. Before you jump into it and try to deal with it in your own power, why don't you find yourself a penile. Why don't you find yourself in a place of God encounter and wrestle that thing away and get a hold to God until He removes it from your life and makes you a new creature, a new man. Jacob left there with a new walk a new identity. He was now Israel as a prince. He had new power with God and with men. Jacob had prevailed. Changing seasons produces changes in people. Let's stand together. The apostle said, but we all, with open face, beholding in a glass the glory of the Lord, are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even as by the Spirit of the Lord. The mirror. The mirror of the Word of God. That's what the Apostle James referred to the Word of God as a mirror that we look into. We're beholding the face of God as in a mirror. 
and our desire is not to see ourselves in that mirror, but to see Him. How do we see Him? Because we're changed. That when we are like Him, we see Him instead of ourselves. To be like Jesus. To be like Jesus. On earth I long to be like Him. One day, He's going to call us home. The Apostle John said, Beloved, now are we the sons of God. It doth not appear what we shall be, but we know that when He shall appear, we shall be like Him, for we shall see Him as He is. A season of new beginnings. Thank you, Lord, for this new year. Thank you for the new hopes that we have. I know nothing better than to see you as you are. To see my life reflect you. That when I look in the mirror, I don't see the old Terry. I don't see the old flesh. But I see the new man the new man in Christ Jesus. So, Lord, I don't want to curse my season, but I want to grow in my season. I want to change in my season to be what you want me to be. I pray for us as your people to be changed, to be like you, to be like you. Would you grab your neighbor by the hand or lay your hand upon them and just pray one for another right now all over this house to be like you, Jesus. I pray for my brothers and my sisters that, Lord, you know what season it is in the life. I pray, God, that you would give them the courage to embrace the moment and to realize that there's a change coming. There's a better day coming. There's a season of new beginnings. When we glean from this one, those things that you have in store for us, we will be able to morph into the beauty of that transformation that you have for us to be like you. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. God bless you. Greet one another in love. You're dismissed in Jesus' name.